Welcome to Pragmatic Live, the podcast for product people. I'm Mark Stiving, Chief Pricing Educator of Impact Pricing. Many of you may remember me as a pragmatic instructor, but I left in January to start a company, Impact Pricing, where we focus exclusively on teaching companies about value and about pricing. Oh, I also started my own podcast called Impact Pricing. I'd love it if you'd come listen, but it's great to come back and host Pragmatic Live once in a while. The last time I hosted here, we talked about subscription pricing and how it was different from more traditional businesses. As a quick review, we discussed the three revenue buckets, acquisition, retention, and expansion. We discussed some key KPIs, especially the viability metrics, which was lifetime value divided by customer acquisition cost. And we discussed the different pricing levers you have to pull in subscriptions. And those were market segments, product packaging, and the pricing metric. If you want to review, the last podcast was published March 21st, 2019, and it was titled The Pricing Guru Subscription Models. By the way, quick thank you to the friends at Pragmatic for such a fantastic title. Uh, you can find this podcast on their website, and I recommend that you go hear it. But today we're going to talk about probably the second most important metric that you could have in subscriptions. That's called net dollar retention. The viability metric I just talked about in the review, you care about that a lot early on. We want to make sure that we're acquiring customers that are actually profitable. Once we get that LTV over CAC number greater than three, then we start to think about other things probably the most important thing we want to start thinking about as we grow our company then is expansion. Expansion means how do I get my current customers to pay me more money? If you think about the three revenue buckets, I said acquisition, retention, expansion, that's I want to win new customers, keep my customers and grow my customers. We're going to focus on retention and growth. That's where net dollar retention comes into play. Now, is net dollar retention important? Yes. Zoom, who just filed their S1 to go public, actually they just went public, they had 142% net dollar retention. Let me tell you what that means. If you took all of the customers that Zoom had, let's say it was January 1st, 2018. They had a set of customers and we counted every one of them and we said, how much money did they pay us in December? We took that number, multiplied it by 12, and that's how much money we would expect to get from those customers throughout the entire year of 2018. That means nobody churned and nobody gave us more money. This is the baseline. And if that exact thing happened, we would have a net dollar retention of 100% we retained 100% of our customers. Now, if 10% dropped out, and let's say every customer had the same amount of revenue, so it was 10% of our revenue that dropped out, then our net dollar retention would be below 100%. If they all dropped out on January 2nd, then our net dollar retention would probably be 90%. On the other hand, what if all of our customers, nobody churned out, and yet everybody decided to give us 10% more money for whatever reason, and they did it all on January 2nd. 
our net dollar retention then is going to go up to 110%. Look at Zoom now, 142% net dollar retention. What that means is of the current customers as of January 1st, they were able to capture 42% more revenue from that set of customers. And that even includes any customers who churned out, who decided to stop using them. That's powerful. I guess a big question is, do you care? I put together a tool called the subscription growth calculator. Um, you can download it from my website and I'll put it in the show notes for you as well. Uh, this is a free tool for you to have access to. And in the subscription growth calculator, all you're going to do is define some initiating assumptions. But what's really important is that you're going to say, here's how much I think we're going to grow in terms of customer acquisition on a monthly basis. Here's how much I think our churn rate is going to be. Here's how much I think our expansion rate is going to be. And with that set of assumptions and a couple more, you're able to project out what's my revenue over the next five years. The way I recommend you use this is you say, what's our revenue goal? Our revenue goal five years from now, three years from now, doesn't matter. And let's go play with those numbers. What's our sales growth rate? What's our churn rate? Or what's our expansion rate? Figure out which numbers you need to get you to your revenue goal. And I can almost guarantee you that expansion becomes really important. If you want to hit 142% net dollar retention, what that means is your expansion ends up being 5.3% higher per month than your churn rate. Boy, I'm throwing a lot of numbers at you. I hope it's not too much. But the key here, when you go through this exercise, you will find that expansion is probably crucial to your future growth if you want to grow to become a really big company. Okay, let's say that's a, that we agree. We want to make sure that we have expansion. How do we do that? Turns out there are four ways we could get our current customers to pay us more money. We could raise their price. We could charge them more as they're using more of our products. So think of that as usage. We could upsell them into more capability, or we could cross-sell them into new products. Let's talk about each one of these real briefly. Those first three, increasing the price, the usage, and the upsell, those are all really closely related to those three pricing levers that we talked very briefly about in the review. The three pricing levers, first we have market segments. As a company is more and more clear about which market segments they're gonna go after, maybe we start at a broader segment and then we start focusing in on more and more or we split that broad segment up into multiple smaller market segments, we are able to more accurately determine the value we deliver to each one of those segments. We are also then more able to increase the price on some of those market segments. I don't know about you, I've got tons of subscriptions in my life. It feels to me like every one of them raises my prices constantly. For example, I know that I'm using QuickBooks and QuickBooks just sends a message. It says, hey, we're raising your price. What am I supposed to do about that? 
I could go shop, I could go change everything, or I could just say, yeah, you can have another 10 bucks a month, sorry. And that's exactly what I did. That's what most of us will do. Now you do wanna be careful because if you're on the edge or you're not providing as much value as you really think you are to your market segments and you increase their price, you cause them to rethink. When QuickBooks raised my price, I absolutely rethought, can I get rid of QuickBooks? Turns out the answer is no. I mean, I could if I wanted to put in a lot of effort, but I'm not gonna put in that effort. You have to go through that thought as well if you decide you wanna increase somebody's price. The second lever that you have, or the second way that you could increase the amount of money we get from our current customers is through usage. To make this work well, we need to have the right pricing metrics. Pricing metrics are what do we charge for? Uh, maybe I charge for the number of displays you're showing my information on. Maybe I charge for the amount of gigabytes you're using of storage or the amount of cycles you're using in my CPU. The most common pricing metric is the number of users. If we could get our pricing metric right, meaning as a customer uses our product more and more and more, that means that they're probably getting more and more value out of our product and they would be willing to pay us more. What that means is our pricing metric needs to be highly correlated with the amount of value we're delivering to our customers. When we get the pricing metric right, then as customers use more, they just pay us more. Let's go back to Zoom for just a second. And as we use more and more of Zoom, we get more users on Zoom, then it turns out that we're gonna end up paying Zoom more money. Same thing is true with Salesforce. As we put more users on Salesforce, let's think about Dropbox for a second. As we store more data, we end up paying Dropbox more money. In each one of those, we're talking about a measure of usage, how much the company or the subscriber is using our product, and it's correlated with the value, which means we're gonna get a higher price. The third tool we have to increase the amount of money we get from our current customers is called upsell. Upsell essentially says you're buying the same product, just more capability inside that product. The easiest way to think about upsell is good, better, best pricing. Anybody who knows me or who's taken the price class knows that good, better, best is just a phenomenal way to price. What happens in the world of subscription is it's very important for us to get the right features into the right products. There are really three basic ways we can figure out how to do good, better, best. One way is using business acumen and just trying to understand really carefully how our customers behave and think. Another method, once we start collecting tons of usage data, that usage data becomes really valuable to us in terms of trying to calculate which features have more value to our customers, especially the ones who have higher willingness to pay. And then the third method is a survey method. We could go out and do some market research and come back with really interesting information on the value of our features to how many customers. And that's a very good piece of information as we make those good, better, best decisions. By the way, it's not just good, better, best. 
The other one might be options. Maybe we want to have some features as options and some features we bundle into the packages. When we get the good, better, best plus options decision right, what happens is when people buy into our product, they typically buy the good because they didn't want to take a huge risk. They want to know how well it's going to work. They say, wow, that's pretty fantastic. Now I want this other capability and they move up in capability to the better product. Then as they grow and they learn and they say, wow, I want even this capability, they move up into the best, or maybe they buy some of our options. We're now getting more money from our current customers. The fourth way we get more money from our current customers is cross-sell. Cross-sell says we've built another product it's in the same vein, but it's not really the same product. One of the great examples of this, Salesforce, one of the first companies to come up with SaaS type pricing. If you were to go to their website today and you look at their products, they've got 20 different products. You may buy their basic CRM, but then you might buy other products that you're gonna attach to it, um, integrate with it, each one of those, think of those more as cross-sell. There's a pretty gray line in between upsell and cross-sell. I tend to think of upsell as good, better, best, plus options. I tend to think of cross-sell as here's a whole nother product, and you might use this product standalone without the other types of capabilities. Okay. We've gone through this whole thing on net dollar retention. We know that we need to grow our customers really important. Um, it, it's really important that we grow our customers. What should you do now? My recommendation, first, download the subscription growth calculator, use it, estimate what you think you need in terms of sales growth rate, maintaining a specific churn rate, your expansion rate. What do you think you need to do? And then, once you've decided how much I need in terms of expansion, create a plan. It doesn't happen by accident. Customers don't accidentally decide they wanna pay you more money. The only way you get net dollar retention to be greater than 100% is by creating a pricing roadmap. Each one of these levers that we have to pull, they're pretty big levers. They could have big impact, but they're also pretty challenging to implement inside our company. For that reason, we recommend that you have a pricing roadmap. We say six months from now, we think we're going to do the following. And that gives us lots of time to start to get the entire company ready for the new way we, we put together our features, the new market segments we're going to go after, the new price points that we're going to have. Putting together a pricing roadmap is pretty important if we want to keep our entire company coordinated and rowing in the same direction. Running a subscription business really is different. In a lot of ways, it's way more exciting, especially for those of us who absolutely love pricing. In future podcasts, we may dive a little deeper into each one of these and maybe even some other topics. If you like this podcast, would you do me a huge favor and subscribe to my podcast as well? It's called Impact Pricing. Also, if you have any questions for me, I'm very active on LinkedIn. Uh, just look for Mark Stiving. What did you think of the podcast? Please let us know by sending an email to experts at pragmaticinstitute.com. And most importantly, though, 
Don't forget to join us for the next episode of Pragmatic Live.